Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What up, brother? Well, what up, Andrew? What up, indeed? The abyss was very much up uh, for about an hour last night. Uh, and then we stopped staring into it and we scored a few goals. And all of a sudden, I think that everything is going to be absolutely perfect forever. Forever and ever. It got bleak last night. It got dark. It, it's amazing. It's almost like like U.S. soccer Twitter, JJ. It's of all like the Twitter spaces. I think it's the most manic roller coaster ride it's crazy it is a lot for for people who like don't follow a lot of u.s soccer accounts or whatever like it's a crazy place and i think last night we actually at halftime uh had a manager change greg bearhalter he was fired on u.s soccer twitter at the end of the first half uh then after the subs and, and anthony robinson's goal we played three minutes without a manager but after robinson's goal bearhalter was actually rehired uh, and finished the game out as manager. So he's now back in his second stint with U.S. soccer. Yeah, and it was very interesting as well. Um, for an hour, um, starting MLS players was a terrible idea. What are you doing? It's stupid. Ah, Europe is better. We're terrible. We smell. And then, uh, you know, for the last 20 minutes, it was like, land that I love. Stand beside MLS and guide its players to the national team. Like you just don't know what you're what you're going to get. Oscillating wildly. I mean, it's a, yeah, you you. It's a crazy place, and you cannot allow yourself to get sucked into the one hundred percent absolutes that no. are thrown out. That guy, this guy sucks. Why is he? I don't ever want to see him in this shirt again. But, but now but like, just it's the, just a funny place. But anyway, I don't know how deeply we want to go into that. It was just well, a funny observation watching. Look at time. the way people even deal with this podcast. So um, the Nations League one nil win over Honduras. I criticized John Brooks for just flying out and kicking people. Thankfully, when he was running out of position, uh, he was at least fouling people. And therefore, the ball was dead for a few seconds. And you could regain your composure and, and get back into some kind of shape. And I criticized him on the podcast and the plethora of tweets that were like, uh, he's obviously got to start. He's a Bundesliga Champions League center back. Who else would you start? Duh. And then last night he does exactly the same things he's been doing forever. And, uh, you know, I feel vindicated. Actually, that went that went widely the whole off. The point of, of that was not that was none of that was about John Brooks. Was no, it? It you was about me. We know you're smart. OK, we get it. <laughs> no, you're no, very no. bright and you're very intelligent. Um we're going to talk with Jeff Carlisle, another very bright, very intelligent man uh, who obviously has covered this team for many, many years. He's seen it all. We're going to talk about Weston McKinney. We're going to talk about uh, everything that just went down over the last 10 days or so. Um, but let's get into some of our thoughts, JJ. By the way, I did also want to tell you I speak Spanish now. Uh, I watched last night on Telemundo because I do not have an account to uh, certain streaming services. By the way, what yeah. was trending harder or at least before kickoff? It was trending harder. I mean, Greg, Greg is a well capable of of snatching the trending, um, the trending figures for himself. But uh, what was trending really hard before the game was the fact that there was no English speaking version that wasn't behind a paywall for most people. That was not welcomed at all. 
we uh, we can no longer be surprised by it. It's the way that this sport is going. Um, but I don't I don't have to like it, especially for the national team. I I don't like it with the Premier League. Ugh, I didn't want to go down this road. I don't know if it helps us in any way, considering our ESPN has soccer behind a paywall. So mm-hmm. I understand the conversation and how it looks, but there's something about asking American fans to watch their national team behind a paywall in English that doesn't sit well with me. But it's yeah. the way it's the way the sport is. Every network is doing it. Um, yeah. At some point, we just got to get on board. But I didn't. I don't want to go too deeply into that. I have so many thoughts from last night. We kind of have to go through them rapid fire. Because uh, we have Jeff standing by, and we're on a, a bit of a time crunch today. After this one, um, a, a couple initial thoughts right out of the gate, JJ. I mean, like you said, disaster was averted last night. Four second half goals. Uh, Paul Carr pointed out these stats on Twitter. He said, "Just uh, our third win in uh, in a way World Cup qualifier when conceding first. Just our second win in a World Cup qualifier when trailing at the half. That's hard to believe, but wow! Uh, first time ever scoring four second half goals in a final." round qualifier that is not as surprising um lots of big observations to come out of this one i guess initially the first one is you know i'll start with something positive because look we were all feeling the same way about that first half and the lineup that was put out there i think some of us try we saw the lineup we thought okay maybe this is something different what we had been doing the first two games wasn't working yeah i don't love tyler adams at right back i know he has played it before i wouldn't play him there but they're trying something different because the other we we've been talking on and on about new ideas, new ideas. Well, okay, here's your new ideas. Um, the first half was bleak. None of it worked. None of it worked. The personnel, the formation. So let's at least look at the second half, and we'll start with the positive and just say that well, was. Well, a, hang that, on, hang on. I yeah. won't allow you to do that before we do. Quick. I'm not saying we won't talk about the formation. I just want to start happy. Not not even the formation. Okay, go on. I'll, I'll allow you to start happy, but oh, you'll you will, allow me. You will, yeah, because there's a real danger. You're going to gloss over the worst 45 minutes I've seen from. I'm not any- glossing over anything. I said I want to start with good. We'll get to bad. Okay. God, you just need negativity. It's what drives you. It's it's your life force. No, 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 no. That's the narrative you want. What you do is you live in sunny, happy land, and and you and you want to be there forever. Oh, I when- hate Ted Lasso. Oh, we won four one last night, but all I want to do is talk about the first half. Oh, VAR, it's the worst thing in the world. Oh, I hate, hate, hate. God, well, that, you're so you're so shallow. The last thing you saw is is what sticks with you. That's it. Always no depth. The second half last night, it was given the circumstances of where things were in the first half and how bad it was and where this qualifying cycle was heading and where we had just come from in the last qualifying cycle. That was a, I know we're only three games into a 14 game cycle here, but that was a true back against the wall scenario. One that this team hasn't had yet. Uh, And so pretty much the first time they were faced with that, they responded in a way that I think was more emphatic than what many of us would have expected from them. Four goals in that second half, getting one right out of the gate. I can't even, you're all feeling it, but so you all know what I mean, but I can't even describe how important it was to get that goal three minutes in and immediately be back on level terms. You know, we'll talk about the first half, of course, I don't want to gloss over it, but that was, that second half was needed. And it, it, it did at least, tell me something about those guys who were out there last night with the change in formation worked the substitutes worked um and i think the intensity was upped and one of the things that you can't get away from you can show me all the stat sheets you want heat maps xg everything that the modern uh, you know manager and coach has to influence decision making but you've got to compete for the ball you've got to win second balls and and 
you've got to hold the ball up. If you if you look at the the goal that was scored with um, with Ricardo Pepe involved, I think it was the first goal where he holds off the defender, flicks it round the corner. Pulisic drives the ball is is span out wide, goes into the box, and a goal is scored. You know, eventually a goal is scored, but through Anthony Robinson, and it's just there was intensity, there was speed of play. There was also grit and determination. In the first half, it would have been either Sargent or Pepe who was just shoved off the ball by the Honduran players. There was an, there was more grit in the second half, Andrew. I, I, yeah. That, ma- that stuff matters, and it particularly matters when you lost every single 50-50, every single uh, second ball in the first half. It, it was important that the U.S. came out straight out of the gate with with a new purpose and intensity. And they did do that. And I know, look, <laughs> this, this is the kind of stuff that uh, for years commentators have used in lieu of talking about actual tactics. The tactics, the formation changes did work. 4-3-3, much better than three than the three center halves, which wasn't working. Um, I think Sands, uh, you know, Sands in the center of the park was, was clearly a problem as well in the first half. Uh, Honduras tiring did help in the second half too. They weren't able, able to keep things up and, and the game got stretched, which suited the US. But um, the attitude was much better in the second half. Talk about the first half now. I mean, we're, we're going to do a lot more good stuff when, when Jeff joins. And I yeah. have a couple other things I want to mention before we get to him. But look, well, talk about the first half because well, I truly don't want to gloss over it. Well, I know you don't. I know you don't. I was only being facetious for a comic effect. Uh, the, the point about it is, uh, was, was that the right time to play a team that had never played to get together before in a formation that was clearly alien to them and uh, that they didn't know how to, to, to use or to utilize. No, I, I know why Sand started in midfield. I know it's a curiosity. Having seen how poorly he played, he was just chasing shadows. It was, it was terrible. And even when he was on the ball, he was poor in possession, but the idea of playing him there was to try and have a measure of passing and penetration because he is a good passer of the ball. Um, that's why he played in there. Was it a mistake to play him in there and not have Tyler Adams in the center? 100% for me, a, a true mistake. There are, there are things that, that Bearhalter couldn't control. Like I talked about intensity, uh, winning tackles, uh, first touch as well. How bad was some of our control? How many times did we cough the ball up? I mean, that is stuff Bearhalter can't control. Another thing he can't control uh, that is beyond him is the John Brooks issue. Uh, John Brooks on that goal, just shooting out like a like. I often talk about you know when you've got the wrong player circled when you're playing PlayStation. Shows how long it is since I played PlayStation. But and you hit the you you're not, the guy you want in control to make the move is not the guy, and suddenly you see a player just shoot out. That's what happened with him. He goes chasing the ball too much, trying to win balls in front of the defense when. Holding and maintaining shape is much more important. I, 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 I don't know what to do with him right now. I don't know either, but surely. Like there's this preconceived notion that he is the best defender on this team. And look, I've peddled that notion too. I mean, I, I've, see, I've seen him play in the Champions League and, and for his club team. And like, I do know that he's capable of being a great defender, but we, we are not seeing that version of him often. For this team and right now like to me miles robinson's the best def- he's the best center back on this team i don't care where he's what league he's playing in how many games he's actually played for this team ages uh, experience none of that matters right now you got to qualify and your best players need to be out there playing for you and, and right now john brooks he ain't it uh, i'm not saying write him off 
I would never say that, but I mean, like you got to go with the hot hand and like, I don't know right now he's, he's not helping them. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see in October what they do. Yeah. But even people, I like, I've seen this problem with Brooks coming a long, long way down the track. I didn't think he was particularly good in the nation's league in, in that Honduras game. I, I just don't like some of the way he defends. Sometimes the art of defending Andrew is maintaining shape and doing nothing. Don't give gaps. Don't give spaces. Hold your position. Hold your shape. Mike Goodman, who we respect a lot, I really didn't have John Brooks having two terrible matches as the number one reason the US are in serious trouble, but here yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people didn't. Even me, with all my reservations about Brooks, didn't see that as a problem. But that was just from soup to nuts in that first half that was just a terrible performance like from technical execution to the position the players were playing in just everything was wrong and um and it required the second half that it that it had to turn it around a lot of good stories also last night um ricardo pepe first and foremost i mean can i just say yeah that header andrew first of all he initiates the move um Oh, no, he doesn't initiate the move. That's sorry. When he sets up, okay, I'll get to the Aronson goal. The calmness mm-hmm. where he he does the one thing we talked about that the U.S. can't do enough. If you don't have a number 10, the turnover is a big thing for me. He turns the ball over, drives right at them, flicks it outside to Aronson, like really calmly, perfect weight on the pass, and Aronson just buries it. It's so cool and calm from him. He did the one thing Josh Sargent couldn't do on the first goal. He holds off a defender. Holds him off, uses his strength and flicks it on for Pulisic and we're up the field and we're going and we're attacking and we're getting at the heart of the Honduran defense. The header itself is, first of all, he leaps perfectly. That is a good cross by Yedlin. Don't let anyone tell you it isn't. Oh, who's trying to tell me that? But he had to get his head back and snap back. He was at, if you watch that header, I, I am not saying he is Ronaldo, but I gave praise to Ronaldo for his header against um, the Republic of Ireland. I have to give it to Ricardo Pepe for his execution on that header there. It was, it was just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, he didn't have a great first half. He was starved of possession. He shanked one with his shin over the bar. Um, but it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful performance for him. Can I just say this as well? In, in finishing with the positive, again, at 1-1, Turner comes up with a huge save, Andrew. Yep. A massive save. If that goes in, you know, that puts the comeback in a... in a in, Well, it completely stunts the comeback. Maybe there isn't a comeback after that. Changes the game, certainly. I mean, look, 100%. Honduras, they were... You could see it. They were getting exhausted out there. They were tiring right before our eyes. So who knows? Maybe four goals still, do still come for the U.S. But Honduras also will change the way they play. Uh, if they take a 2-1 lead. I mean, you're going to see a lot more time wasting. You're going to see a lot more, you know, everyone behind the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was it was massive. The Pepe thing is interesting. We'll talk to Jeff about it in a sec. But we're, we've been waiting for a guy in that position to do that. Like, we've been waiting, you know, DK over the summer at, at the Gold Cup, Josh Sargent for, it seems like, the last year and a half or so. Um, to put in a performance like that, whether it be for the U.S. or his club. Yeah. Uh, Pepe came in and did it right away. Uh, I... It doesn't vindicate the decision to start him, though. You know, I, I, I felt as if... Well, the, if why not? Be... I mean, why not? Well, it vindicates, him, match last it, it vindicates him with the way things turned out. But after an hour, it certainly wasn't vindicating. The, the point being, my, my whole point being, is that is San Pedro Sula the night to give him his, his uh, debut? As it turned out, yes. 
but surely he should have got 20 minutes against Canada as well. If he's capable of putting that performance in, a home game in front of your, in front of your home crowd is a much gentler introduction than, hey, Ricardo, can you be involved in at least three goals as we're 1-0 down and, I, and, you, and you have to effectively keep our, our campaign alive? Yeah, I don't know. I hear you, but this feels like the wrong moment to use starting Ricardo Pepe as a knock against Bearhalter. Uh, I that that formation that team at formation kickoff. fine, but I'm just saying the presence of Pepe in the starting eleven. I don't think today we can sit here and tell well, you that that I was just a mistake. Feel like, that feels no really it was, weird and it's not a mis- It's not. I'm not saying it's a mistake, but I don't. I don't think they should. It should be allowed to vindicate the manager's um, initial selection. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's get to Jeff right now. He's been standing by very patiently. Uh, one of our favorite guys, of course, to have on the show. We've done so for years now, talking U.S. soccer, and he's back with us now. Jeff Carlisle from ESPN FC back on the program. Jeff, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Well, we're good, thankfully. At about uh, midnight <laughs> last night or, or 1130 Eastern time last night, it wasn't clear how we were going to be today, but that second half, was, as JJ and I have been talking about, was it was unbelievable. And I guess uh, the jumping off point for that, specifically with regards to the second half, did that second half actually, I can't believe I'm asking this after the summer he had beating Mexico twice, but could that have saved Greg Berhalter's job last night? Well, if they had lost that game last night, I do not think Greg Berhalter would have been fired, and here's why. Um, Ernie Stewart is not a guy to engage in knee-jerk reaction, um, not a guy to act on impulse. And... Uh, you know, he, he's very much a, a stay the course kind of guy. We saw that in Philadelphia when he was a sporting director there. And so, uh, but <laughs> I do think that second half took an immense amount of pressure off of Greg Berhalter. Um, you know, it, it, I think in that, that game was a microcosm of, of the good and the bad that you get with Greg Berhalter. I mean, the first half kind of the over tinkering, the overthinking um, kind of, putting guys in position where they're, they're not in the best position to succeed, I think. And I'm thinking of guys like James Sands, um, you know, Hey, I get it. I get that Tyler Adams has played right back at his club or, or, or on the right side at his club in the past. And, but I don't even think that was the best move for the team. And um, cause you had a situation where Sands and Ocosta were, running around and, and kind of overwhelmed. Now, now, granted, I don't think that was all their fault. I think the formation didn't help them. But um, but then in the second half, Greg Berhalter gets everything absolutely right. The, the change in formation, the subs he brought on. Um, and it, it, it's stunning because they won that game without Gio Reyna, without Weston McKinney, without Christian Pulisic for a good chunk of it. And so, and the guys that came through for them, I mean, we talked about depth a lot during this, this cycle already, and the, the U.S. has some. And, you know, they don't necessarily need these, uh, these big-name European guys to, you know, to, to be the ones to, to carry the load. I mean, you know, Christian Roldan, I mean, he digs out, you know, a, a, a ball that, you know, and gets that to uh, – I'm trying to remember for the third goal. I think it was to Pepe, and then he slides it to uh, to Aronson, who scores. And 
uh, you know, Sebastian Legette. I mean, he is the proverbial Swiss Army knife for this team. So, I mean, you just look at all these pieces and, uh, you know, credit credit to, to Burhalter for just recognizing. And granted, we all saw it. We all, we all knew what was going on. But he, he made the changes that he needed to make. So, to get back to your original question, I don't think he would have been fired. But, but man, does, does five points look a heck of a lot better than two points. And, you know, they're they're – looking down at most of the teams in the octagonal as opposed to looking up. Jeff, you touched on something there that uh, I was going to ask about later, but you brought it up. So I figured I would jump in now and follow up on it. And that is the depth of this team, because uh, I do feel like for so long, we have looked at this U S team specifically and, and looked at its top heaviness as being the strength of this roster guys playing at Juve and, and Barcelona and Chelsea and clubs like that. And Gio Reyna at, at Borussia Dortmund. And last night was the first time that I really, when that game ended that I really stopped to consider that, is it possible the strength of this team is not the top heaviness, but rather the depth uh, beyond those players. I think so. And it, it sends a message to those players currently playing in Europe that your spot is not guaranteed, you know, rep- reputation doesn't really count for anything in this competition. And especially if you're Weston McKinney, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, but like I said earlier, John Brooks, I mean, is he, is, is he really a guy that, that you can count on going forward? Um, and I mean, I can I can jump into my theory on John Brooks right now if you want, but sure, um, go for uh, it. I I don't think he's a guy that that handles. He doesn't travel well, and what I mean by that is he he doesn't. If, if it's a short window with a lot of gr- games crammed in, he he doesn't play well. For whatever reason, he has a hard time just adapting and, and dealing with with the travel and, and going back and forth between the U.S. and the Caribbean or Central America or wherever it is. If if it's a longer run up like a World Cup, like a Copa America Centenario, like even the camp that they had before the Nations League, he seems to do a lot better. He, he, he's just able to, to kind of get into the swing of things. Um, but again, even that, even the Nations League didn't really involve a lot of travel. It, it was all, you know, granted they had the friendly in Europe prior to that, but, you know, then they're in the U.S. the whole time. So, um and he, I don't think he just adapts to, to the crazy conditions of CONCACAF well either. So, uh, so that's, two, got- that's two nightmare games we can remember. Costa Rica in the last round of qualifying for 2018. And, and last night that, that Brooks just, wow. Well, um, even the prior game against Canada, mm-hmm. I mean, he, for some reason, he stops running on the yeah. goal. And granted, I'm, he's probably worried about an own goal, but, you know... <laughs> you got to take your chances at some point. And, you, you, you know, uh, JJ, you, you alluded to the Costa Rica game in the last cycle. Before that was the Mexico game where he was culpable on that goal that Rafa Marquez scored to, to beat the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – and, and then you look at the job that Miles Robinson and Mark McKenzie, who I thought very quietly but very effectively put in a shift. And um, so – you know, to get back to the depth issue, yeah, I mean, these these guys, nothing's guaranteed. And that, that's kind of the way it should be. And I think it sends a real message to Weston McKinney that, hey, we can win without you. And we don't necessarily need to have you on the field. Is the U.S. better with him on the field? I would say definitely they are. But 
you, you've got to have the Weston McKinney that's engaged and pulling in the same direction as everybody else. Jeff, I want I want to take us back to, to James Sands in particular because in the post-match press conference for the Canada game, I can't remember, maybe you remember who asked the question, but but credit to them for asking you know a fairly specific tactical question uh, about what went wrong. And, and one of the things was that um, the US found it difficult to find passes between the lines going forward in attack, trying to pick out their attacking players basically connecting midfield and attack. And so Sands coming in, you know, as well as anyone in MLS circles, he's got this big reputation as a very good prescient passer. So Bearhalter brings him in to try and solve this problem. My basic question to you is, in terms of what Bearhalter is trying to do with this side, his overall, let's disorganize them with possession and with their passing, it's failing right now, isn't it? And, and last night was, was a panic uh, to throw in an inexperienced player for his first competitive uh, World Cup qualifier. This, 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 basically, what I'm saying is Greg didn't just get the tactics wrong. What Greg is trying to do is not working. Well, I think it's worked in spurts. I mean, it, it, in, I think early on, Berhalter had a real dogmatic streak in him where he was they were going to play the ball out of the back no matter what no matter what the, the, the game situation dictated. And so uh, in, that, in, the, in the home game against Canada in the Nations League, that's when it, for, for me, it started to turn a little bit where there was a little bit more balance between playing the ball out of the back when it's on, but also going direct when that, when that was what the situation demanded. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think sorry, sorry, just to no, distill it to distill it even further, Jeff. What what I'm saying is like one of the things we talked about going forward that never happened under Klinsman, never developed, was that we'd ever have real control in a game. Mm-hmm. Like unless it's one of the minnows of Concacaf, and I'm talking way down the depth chart of Concacaf, we don't control games in the midfield, and we still don't do it under Bearholder. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to define control. I mean. They had all this possession against Canada, but certainly an argument can be made that, that Canada really controlled it kind of with their their constant ability to, to break, you know, or, and get Alfonso Davies into space. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's where guys like a Weston or a, a Weston McKinney and a, and a Gio Reyna are missed. I, I do think Musa as well is a guy that, that just his ability to kind of carry the ball. It, it, so it doesn't always have to happen with a pass. He can carry the ball out of midfield and, and use his strength. And so it's, I, I think, yes, if they're going to control games, that that's where they need their, their top guys. That's where they, they need Pulisic. That's where they need Reyna. Um, I mean, McKenney is passing for me kind of blows hot and cold. So, um, but I do think a guy like Musa helps with that. So I, I would say it's, it's a work in progress, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I was disappointed in El Salvador that they didn't do more to kind of control things. They, they, they kind of, they just kind of lost their, their grip on it. Um, you hope that now that they've been exposed to these environments, that they've been, you know, faced with these, uh, with these kind of, I don't want to say extracurricular, but these, these other factors, you know, whether it's the, the field, the weather, the, the, the fan atmosphere, all that stuff, they, they've been exposed to it now. And I, I was talking to some players this week and, who are based in Europe, 
who had not experienced uh cap before. And, and they were amazed. Like, yeah, the Salvadoran players were coming in studs up on every single challenge. And I guess it's a case of you have to experience it. You can only talk about it so much. You know, you, you have to experience it at some point. So um, it, to say that it's failing, I, I'd say it, it, it's a struggle right now for sure. Um, whether they can kind of break through and, and, and get over the top in terms of that, we'll see. I, I, I'm not ready to give up on it yet, I guess. is kind of a long way of saying that. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how these guys do. Jeff, you mentioned Josh Sargent before, and we've been waiting a long time, it seems like, for him to have a single game like what Ricardo Pepe had in just his first game last night. And I I just wonder, I don't want to make this entirely negative about Sargent. It's about Pepe too, but like, did Pepe pass Sargent in just one night? Is this like waiting and waiting for Josh Sargent to emerge and be this player that we think he is? Is that kind of, at least for the time being, kind of over or at least put on the back burner and other guys are going to have the chance now? Absolutely. I mean, Ricardo Pepe showed me more in, I think it's two games now that he's played for the U.S. than Josh Sargent has showed me in 20. And it's, you know, I think for a long time, (laughs) I'm as guilty of this as anyone, you know, a lot of excuses have been made for Josh Sargent. Well, he was playing for Werder Bremen. I mean, obviously he's with Norwich now, but he was on a bad team with Werder Bremen. And um, so, you know, he was doing all the little things right, you know, the hold-up play, you know, linking up with guys. But at some point he needs to score. And at some point he needs to be goal dangerous. And he, he just isn't that often enough for the U.S. team. Now, granted, he's, it's, he's dependent on service like a lot of forwards. But – Last night, it was just, it was infuriating to watch him make three, almost three five-yard passes or three to five-yard passes to a guy who's like, you know, obviously right next to him. You know, he's not looking to try to take guys on. I I get that that's not really his game, but at at some point you got to do a little bit of that to keep guys honest. And so uh, I just, I just see a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of killer instinct. And at least at the moment, and I don't know that I've ever seen a real killer instinct out of him. And so Ricardo Pepe, yeah, he's still a little raw, but there is something about that guy that just screams striker. I mean, he, he can sniff out opportunities. He can, he can do it with guys draped all over him. He can, and he, you know, I, I was a little disappointed in that that first half chance he had where he didn't really connect with it, but my word, you know, he, he buries that header. Um, He's, he's making great runs. He's, you know, he's, he's just helping. And, and that on the goal that he scored, um, or actually I'm thinking about Anthony Robinson's goal. You know, he, he holds the ball up. He, he, he stabs it to Pulisic, I believe. And then he creates some havoc in the box that allows Anthony Robinson to finish. And so it's just, I don't, I don't see Josh Sargent doing any of those things for the national team. And so, you know, I think he's a guy who, because he's playing in Europe has kind of lived off that reputation has lived off of where he plays and it's, it's time for him to start producing. And until he starts doing it for his club now, you know, I think it's going to be awfully hard for him to break the lineup. And, and maybe you don't even see him get called in. 
Jeff, one more positive before the obvious elephant in the room crushes us all, uh, which is Weston McKinney. I'm going to let Andrew, who is, I got to be honest, a salacious media hound. I'm going to let him uh, talk about that one. But one more positive. Uh, Anthony Robinson coming in last night at left back uh, into the game. uh, Just being comfortable on the ball, being calm on the ball, getting up and down, doing all those things you want a kind of a wide fullback to do and doing them competently, comfortably, taking his goal really well. Is this another position where we can just say, all right, that's the guy right there. Let's yeah. leave it. Don't touch it. Absolutely. I mean, so for so long, it's like, well, what are we going to do about, you know, what is the U.S. going to do about Serginio Dest? Because there's no one at left back. Well, there's somebody at left back now. Um, and there's somebody at left back who's showing actually a heck of a lot more consistency than Serginio Dest. I mean, maybe he's not as good dribbling on the ball as Serginio Dest is. But he puts in a fantastic cross. He gets into the attack. I mean, one of my frustrations of the El Salvador game was that when he came on, there were like two or three times where he is streaming down the left wing. The overlap is on. A guy like Gio Reyna sees him and then doesn't pass on the ball. I'm just, I'm just like, what are these guys waiting for? And then the one time in that game where Anthony Robinson was able to get a cross in, it, it created some danger. And so, you know, maybe this goal – you know, maybe his play over the last couple of games will create a little bit more trust that, that it, within the team that he can get the job done. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's the guy to be left back right now. And then we'll see what happens, you know, on the other side, we'll see how healthy Dest is. Um, he, he Dest continues to look really out of sorts to me. Um, you know, even, you know, there was a lot of concern after the nation's league about the way he played. There wasn't a huge uptick in my opinion, in terms of his play, this window. And so he's another guy who has kind of been living off of his reputation of playing at Barcelona, but it, there comes a point where you got to perform if you're going to play and continue to play for the U S national team. And uh, so right now that's, that's, that's in doubt for me. Uh, Jeff, I do have one more positive mm-hmm. for you, but we'll end on that. Cause I like ending on a positive note rather than a negative. So we'll go to McKinney now. Um, this obviously was the big story during the week leading up to this game. What's what's the overriding sense that you get from coming out of that camp right now about how they they feel about him? Are they are they mad at him? Are they disappointed in him? Has he shown the proper amount of contrition for whatever it is that he did? I mean, what is what is the feeling right now in U.S. soccer about Weston McKinney? Well, publicly, there, there's disappointment. Um, that he, that he did what he did. Um, but I, I think it's telling that after the El Salvador game, he was, McKenney was one of the guys preaching accountability and responsibility. And the fact that he wasn't walking the walk on that, I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And so I, I think there is broad support for what Burhalter did. I mean, you can't, I mean, this is kind of coaching 101. You, you, you have to, you can't lay down a set of standards. And then when the star player or one of your star players violates it, just kind of ignore it and, and pretend it didn't happen. So, sorry, Jeff, uh, but Jeff, do you think it was, and, you know, Greg Bearhalter, like you said, he has to lay down the standard, but, but was it enough? Like, would it be acceptable? Could, could Bearhalter have and maintained that discipline if he just said, hey, the Canada game is enough of a punishment. He could have played last night. 
That's a fair question, but um, you know, I, I think you know, in just reading some other reporting about this, it, it wasn't so much that it was COVID protocols; it, it was that he broke any rule. Uh, and so, but to me, to me, the COVID part matters because you know, bringing an unauthorized person into the bubble. You're putting everyone at risk right after Zach Steffen has tested positive for COVID and another staff member has tested positive for COVID. So, I mean, to me, that, that's just, you know, it, it's mind boggling. And so, you know, I, I've seen where the COVID, like, hey, this would have happened no matter what, but it, it's not just Weston McKinney doing something that's going to affect his performance. It, you know, if somebody else had gotten sick because of his action, I mean, I think that's what what really infuriates people. It infuriates me because it's just it's just reckless and selfish. And so uh, again, I think there's broad support for what Burhalter did. It, it was the right move, and the fact that they won that game last night four one strengthens his position. Now, I mean, the big question for me now is what's going to happen to McKinney at Juventus. I mean, is he? How long is it going to take him to kind of? Is he going to be able to get back into the lineup? Is he going to play this weekend? You know, what, what's his status? Because obviously there have been rumblings before the close of the last transfer window that um, Allegri wasn't happy with his professionalism, with his diet, with, you know, his, you know, his, he's, he's, got, he's getting this party boy reputation. And so. Well, I'll tell uh, you, we learned, yeah. we learned so much about his diet over, over last night. Anyone who watched uh, Paramount Plus, uh, Chipotle. <laughs> Um, you know, that, ad, that, by the way, what, a, I, I understand advertising, what a galling ad for us fans to have to watch. Yeah. 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 The, the timing that was, <laughs> that was leaving the boot in no doubt about it. Really so, was. Uh, yeah. But I, again, I, I think, I think it strengthens Burhalter's position. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was surprised that he got two games instead of just the one, but, um, you know, he felt Burhalter obviously felt he had to lay down the law. So. And he did. He, I mean, we look now, uh, the next round of World Cup qualifying is, is soon. I mean, it's next month with right. three more of these. I mean, the memory of what Weston McKinney just did is still going to be really fresh in people's minds. Do you expect him to, A, be brought back into that squad? And B, does he walk right back into the starting 11? Or does he have a, a, a lot to kind of reprove to this group? Well, just if you're reading the tea leaves from what Burhalter has said, he's, he said, Hey, I'm, you know, Weston McKinney is not done with the national team. He's, you know, of course he has a future. And so that leads me to believe that yes, he can be called up in the next window. Um, again, I think some of that will depend on how much he's playing at Juventus. And I mean, if he doesn't play, he doesn't get any minutes at all. You know, then that, I think that, that, that creates some doubt for me at least. Um, but in terms of whether he goes straight back into the lineup, I think, you know, I agree that, that McKenney is, is he's got a, a reputation that, that, that needs to be rebuilt. Um, he has credibility that needs to be rebuilt credibility within the group. And so I think to put him straight back into the lineup, that seems a little bit, too soon. I, I think it has to happen step by step. I mean, maybe you bring him on as a sub, you know, just to so that it's not quite so sudden. But 
I mean, circumstances will dictate it too. I mean, if this group is still pretty injured, you know, if for whatever, you know, if, if Polisic isn't able to come back, if Reina is not able to come back, you know, maybe you don't have any choice, but um, certainly guys like Sebastian Legette and, and Brendan Aronson have shown not only a level of professionalism that, uh, that, that needs to be followed, but they, they've been able to be very effective on the field. I mean, granted, Nelegette did not have a great game against Canada, but he wasn't alone on that. <laughs> Nobody really played that great. Um, but I also think Aronson is another guy whose stock has, has, has gone up during this window. I mean, I, for me, there were some doubts about whether he could really, really get it done at this level. You know, obviously he's been able to do it kind of on home soil, in other competitions, but you know, he showed me something this window. So uh, that, that bodes well for him. Last one for me, uh, Jeff. Uh, so something interesting, interesting parallel between what's happening uh, with the Republic of Ireland team right now. Again, they, they have a new manager. He's trying to change culture, change a, a total way of playing and implement something almost on the fly as they go to world cup qualifying. Now, obviously the U S has a much deeper, stronger, availability and roster of players but there is a kind of a split amongst uh you know irish fans about stephen kenny but the players come out and defend him um do we have any sense of what the uh, u.s men's national team players think of burr halter have you have you heard them defend what he's trying to do you know because there's a lot of greg out swirling around in the in the twitter sphere and and in the u.s soccer sphere i don't agree with it but i'm just curious uh, do you get the sense that the players have bought in or are rather are continuing to buy into what he's doing? Yeah. Especially I think when you get a, la- a result like they did last night, that only strengthens it. But I think you saw during the nation's league too, um, guys really getting behind their manager. Um, I mean, not that a, a U.S. player needs extra motivation when they're going up against Mexico, but you know, you saw McKenney run 60 yards and jump into his manager's arms. Now, in light of recent events, maybe McKenney had an ulterior motive there. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I do get the sense that they are behind the manager. Um, but they're doing this for themselves as well. I mean, I, I don't think it can, I think it has to be a mix. I, I think, right. you know, obviously they're trying to help their own careers. You know, there's the pride in playing for your country. And, and then, you know, the manager factors into it as well. So I, I don't think it's all one thing. Okay. But um, I, I get the sense that his, his spot is is pretty secure. Um, and he's made some tough calls. And so when you make tough calls and, and things work out, I think that strengthens your position for sure. Jeff, last one from me. Uh, like I said, I wanted to end on a positive. You know, we were talking about Weston McKinney and – his motivations. Is this a guy who, who really cares about winning and succeeding? Or is this a guy who, who cares about being famous and what comes with, you know, playing at a big club, someone who I do not question that about at all. Uh, and this is a fanboy question. I admit Christian Pulisic. Yeah. He, he's coming off of COVID. We don't know what his full fitness level is. He played 90 minutes against Canada uh, last night, I know he came off early, but there was a point in that game. I texted JJ, I texted a couple other friends and, you know, not knowing he was going to wind up leaving injured, 
but kind of jokingly being dramatic, I said, the way this guy is getting fouled, the way he is repeatedly making run after run, the way he is just like every time he's on the ball, he's bombing forward, trying to make something happen. It looked like he was prepared to die on that field last night. Uh, have you ever seen a guy for this team want it the way it seems like Christian Pulisic wants it? It feels like every time he's out there, he's playing with the memory of that night of Trinidad in Trinidad in his head. Is that the feeling you get with him? Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he's a quiet guy. I mean, you know, he does, he does not a guy that to say a whole lot in the media. Um, but he is a quieter reserved guy, but I I think he, he definitely has a passion for playing for the national team. I mean, the guy was in tears in Cuba. Mm -hmm. Um, Not the only guy who was, who was in tears, but, you know, I think that shows how much, how much he cares. I mean, he tried to carry on last night. Obviously he was, he was pretty uh, serious, you know, seriously injured. I mean, I I think he'll be back. I don't think it's the kind of injury that's going to keep him out for too terribly long, but um, yeah, I mean, this this guy's fearless. I mean, he, he just keeps going and going and going. And uh, yeah, I, I was, you know, it wasn't always effective, I think, especially in the first half, but you know, that's, that's what good players do. I mean, they, if, if, even if it's not working for them, you know, maybe, maybe they tweak a thing or two, but I think in, in Polisic's case, he needed to run at that defense. That defense got tired. Mm-hmm. That defense got worn out for Honduras last night. And um, I think you saw how the U S was kind of able to, to, to push through in the end, but you know, what Pulisic does puts a lot of pressure on defenses and, and yeah, he, he just, he just didn't stop. And it wasn't until he was, you know, suffered that injury that, that he had to come off. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't worry about Christian Pulisic <laughs> too much, if at all. And um, you know, he, I, I'm not sure he's like the guy that you want as captain. I still think Tyler Adams is the guy that also because of where he plays on the field I, and in the way he communicates, I, I think, he would be my pick for the captain, but you know, you can have multiple leaders. You need multiple leaders on a team. And so, and Christian Pulisic is definitely one of them. Good stuff, Jeff. We of course will be in touch with you and reading your stuff uh, throughout this month and leading into the uh, next month, world cup qualifiers, three more. They are coming fast and furious. No question about it. We we avoided a depressing chat today by (laughs) those last 20 minutes. There you go. Saved us from deep introspection, garment rending, howling at the wind. (laughs) Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Love it. Love the positivity. Good stuff, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good, guys. Our thanks to Jeff. Appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be in touch with him uh, shortly, a month from now. October 7th, JJ, we're back at it again. The 7th, the 10th, and the 13th. Three more. It's crazy. It's intense. But at least we've come out of this window with a win and a way win. First one since September 2016. Uh, there will be more positivity. Have we drawn last night or lost last night? Nobody b- would be looking forward yeah, to the next window. F- I guess final thought, w- the panic meter. Is it still on? Where is it? Have you have you put it back in the closet for now? I've put the panic meter away. I've, okay. put, I've taken out the concernometer oh. and I've turned it up to mild. Okay. So that's but, fair. But think of how close it was from smashing the concernometer with 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 a mallet and having the panic meter turned up to like twelve out of ten. Like we were oh. we were right there, and oh, we now right. it's like okay. I was no. about to order another panicometer just to make sure that that panicometer didn't fail. Just about to kick by.
Oh man. U.S. soccer is so fun. It's never not interesting. I'll say that. It's not always good, but it's, it's always interesting. What a window. And if you want to listen to any of our podcasts, they're all up there from these three podcasts from this window. And uh, you can, you can see it's, it is pretty interesting. This is one of the first ever international breaks. I think where, like that that is not for like a major tournament like a world cup or a european championships where like i i'm not ready to go back to club football this weekend i want more of this international break i yeah, need but- i need more of it the storylines were fascinating the the way we ended on a positive note in that second half like i want to see more of this team oh. just like incredible oh uh, allow me to be the the blazer in this the content it's amazing we got to keep these storylines going right. i love when you you put on your your suit Hey, Andrew, right now, we're trending upwards in terms of what we can talk about about this U.S. men's team. Uh, it is fun. I, I say jokingly, I am excited for club football to return. And like I said, U.S. soccer will be back with three more World Cup qualifiers uh, in just under a month from now. So it, it never stops. It, it, is, it is really fun. This was fun as well. Our thanks again to Jeff Carlisle. We'll speak again with him uh, probably next month during that qualifying cycle. JJ, to you, I say. Check you later. Next window. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 